You're listening to The Onset of refreshing, inspiring, and relatable outdoor stories and conversations with your host, Elizabeth Brownell. The Onset Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network. Think I can fly. Think I can fly. All right, guys, my guest today is an extremely special person, and I have the pleasure of not only knowing her, but becoming pretty close during such a weird time for both of us when we were both (laughs) rushing for a sorority at Coastal Carolina University during our sophomore year of college. Almost seven years later, Stephanie Schaefer is a survivor, debut author, public speaker, and ambassador to many organizations, including the American Red Cross and Come Alive Outside. With a Bachelor of Science from Castleton University, where she graduated from with high honors and a degree in health promotion, Steph has prioritized working with and amplifying the efforts of organizations that aim to improve the physical and mental health of communities. As a Vermont native, she's always had a love for the outdoors, and now she's even modeling in LA as a bilateral amputee and paraplegic. Steph, first and foremost, I know you are such a busy person, so thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for this interview. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Did I miss anything? Of course, and thank you for having me, but no, you summed that up really perfectly. It was definitely a different lifetime. I feel like that we did me, and now, look at us now, you know, we're both in very different places, I feel like now. Um, but yeah, you summed it up pretty good. I'm Vermont native, living in Southern California, only been here for six months now. So kind of just, you know, adapting to the new place. But yeah, everything you said is, is the intro that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, yeah, we met at Coastal and I feel like that was both like, for both of us, pretty out of character to rush. I felt like I, I feel like that's kind of why we clicked immediately. Cause I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. And I felt like it was just such a weird thing to do. And I felt like I already had, like, we both ended up going with Phi Sig. And I feel like that was, I feel like for me, it was like a safe choice because I was like, I already, all my friends are here. Um, Yeah. I I think we went into it kind of both knowing and assuming that that was where we were going to end up. It was kind of just like going through the the formality and the process for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely... And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't last long. Um, Me either. And you didn't, <laughs> you didn't no. either. And so I no. feel like that's how you know where we were like, well, you know, we'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't for me. It just felt like a giant waste of money. And I feel yeah. like because I chose the sorority with all my friends in it, I was like, why would I keep paying for the same people I already know? Right. Yeah. We were having just as much fun, like, in it and outside of it I feel like we made a few new friends and you know we became closer and then it was kind of like all right we're gonna go now yeah it's like (laughs) we're good like we can like we can exit stage left um yeah Maddie Tati like I Mm -hmm. although it was a weird time I feel like I did gain a lot of insight um and it it was just I mean it's funny when I tell people now that I'm like yeah I kind of did that and they're like you did a sorority and I'm like well it's like I wasn't even in it a full like you know amount of time so like does it even count like it counts <laughs> it, it, it does yeah for sure it counts um I you know I said when I started this podcast that it it wasn't just going to be about hunting that I did want it to be about like the outdoors um and this is why I wanted to have you on like early and you know to the release of the podcast because I want to show people that through crazy adversity, like your life story kind of just, you know, it did take a crazy turn. Um, You've still been able to accomplish so much and not only in your life and your career, but also your love for the outdoors as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think accessibility in the outdoors for everyone is such like an important conversation we had and you're still doing that now. Um, You're hand cycling, you're kayaking and even cross country skiing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're talking about, you know, we met at Coastal and then we both left and I, you know, I don't know your reasons for leaving, but, and I had many reasons for leaving, but um, I think it was in that time period of transitioning back home after leaving um, school. It That's when I think 
the outdoors started to become a big part of my life again, which I'm so thankful looking back now, because I think if I hadn't had that period, then, you know, everything that followed afterwards, maybe I wouldn't have gotten through it as well as I have. I think that period of moving back home to Vermont and really just taking time to like find myself again and, you know, calm down, spend time outside. I was hiking every day, walking miles every day, you know, spending time by myself outside, spending time with family outside. I think that was like so healing for me and made me like reminded of who I was and like that I could be strong and I could, you know, not have all the, you know, anxieties and things I was dealing with before that time. So I think it like was such a crucial pivotal moment and I didn't realize how much it was going to carry forward into the years to come just in very different ways because you know right after that that's when you know life completely changed um yeah you know I like you know the story I went on a family vacation um to the Bahamas and got onto a tour boat and expecting a full day outing and three minutes into it uh, the boat you know explodes directly underneath my seat so it's like then it had to heal me in the years to come in very, very different ways. Yeah, for sure. And um, and and we can get into that some more. I like that you 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 said that though. It's like you didn't realize how important it was going to be for your mental health, like pre mm-hmm. the ex the pre accident and then post accident. And I feel like for yeah. me too, it's kind of why like I don't know. I feel like I. I was able to process a lot of things that had happened to me, like while getting into the outdoors, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like it was just so much reflection time. And I feel like that's why I stress to people. It's like, it can do so much more than you even, than you even realize. Yes. Um, you're the, the, when you guys went on vacation, was that, had you graduated yet? I was, was one that? semester away. So I had um, taken some time off. I took one semester off. And then went back to school and I was just a few classes away from graduation. It was, you know, just the internship. So I was supposed to be gone for one week and coming back to finish my degree. Um, I did end up finishing, but of course it was broken up into online classes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I I think it was in the first chapter um, you mentioned um, and I mean, we'll get into it later too, but you ended up literally, literally writing a book about your whole, like about everything. Um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, congratulations. I think that's Thank a big you. deal. And I think when I was reading it, I, cause I couldn't remember even what you were studying at Coastal, but I was like, I, I don't, I don't remember her being a writer. I was like, and this is coming off in such a way that like, yeah, it's, int- it's, you know, for anyone who doesn't know you, it's an intriguing story, but I think it was so well-written um and it was so easy to read um Thank you. not in a and I'm not gonna lie to you when I I bought the book immediately once you announced it and then I think it sat like on my bookshelf <laughs> for months because I just I couldn't I couldn't open it yet mm-hmm. I was like I know I was like I know that like the emo- like how I'm gonna feel yeah um and so I just wasn't ready and then one day yeah. I was like you know what I was like it's kind of time, like, let's just turn page one. But it was something you mentioned um, that kind of just gave me the chills. Uh, when you said your family was trying to decide where to go and you guys had considered Mexico, you guys had considered Peru and your sister found the, you know, um, swimming of the pigs and mm-hmm. the Bahamas. And you said you had a feeling. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's the strangest thing looking back because I feel like I'm one of the most agreeable people you'll ever meet. Like I do you, not you like go with decisions. the flow for sure. Yes. You, you go with the flow and like, and not in a bad yeah. way, but definitely no. like a, you're just easy to get along with. Cause like, I think you, you're just cool with what other people want to <laughs> do. And like, that's not a bad trait to have. Yeah. Like I love making sure the group is happy. My friends are happy. Everybody else, like if everybody else is happy, I'm happy. So for that to be kind of the first time ever in my life where I was like, I am not going to this place. Like, I do not want to go here. It just, it did not feel right. And I kept, you know, I, we kept talking about it, like, you know, Steph doesn't really want to go. And then like, it was decided that we were going to go, but I was like, am I going to go? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I really, it really sticks in my head because I'm like, what was that? You know, like, how did yeah. I have this weird feeling 
And then I also think it was just that, like I said, like I just gone through this period of moving home and feeling like myself again. And it's also just that like life was so good at that time that it was like, why do I want to go on vacation? Like, I don't need to leave. Um, but then of course it did still go. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a thought. And I definitely, I feel like that is, I feel like the power of intuition is like such a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like and I feel like the older I get, the more I do try to like listen to it. Cause I, I think mm-hmm. it does, it, it holds power. Right. Um, what was like, what finally made you decide to go? Um, I didn't want to like miss out on the memories. You know, I was picturing, I mean, it's the Bahamas. It's beautiful. I'm, it's a dream vacation. It's a time with my family that I wasn't going to get back. You know, I really wanted to go and be a part of making those memories. And so I, just decided to go. I was like, I'll be back in a week. It's no big deal. You know, life won't change. <laughs> yeah. And even when you said you were like walking out the door instead of like taking the time to like say like a proper goodbye to your roommates that yeah. you just moved in with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just quickly shouted out the door, like literally not, a, not a big deal. Like I'll be right. I'll be right back. Yeah. Um, and what kind of happened? Like you, you weren't, um, like you mentioned, um, the boat ended up exploding and you, um, you, your mom, and the woman, uh, Malika, right, from mm-hmm. Atlanta, um, I, I would say, like, all of y'all ex- uh, sustained, like, the worst injur- injuries. I would say you probably, was it you the most, or was it Malika, or, like? Um, well, it's tricky, because, you know, of course, we're not doctors, but it didn't, to my family, it didn't look like Malika was as severely injured mine were much more obvious <laughs> but Malika did end up passing away so and perhaps it could have been avoided more you know easily than it obviously was um which is a tragic tragic thing to think about but um there just wasn't the resources to help her in that moment um but I think that also just shows you know the choices that we all make like we don't realize sometimes how much power they can have so it was you know we didn't know which choice was right to wait for the ambulance or not to wait so we both kind of made our own choices and um regretfully hers you know ended in that result but yeah and that's really heavy and um I you know when I was when I finished the book I kind of sat back because I wasn't you were so vulnerable you were so raw and I felt like you genuinely like I feel like you laid it all out in that book. Definitely. (laughs) Was there, and you don't have to say what, but just like a yes or no would suffice. Like, was there anything you held back for yourself? Not for myself. There was a, I think only just one chapter I held back for, I think my family, Um, you know, because trauma's tricky. Um, Yes. But writing it and putting it behind me was what needed to happen to heal and move on. And then I, it just didn't need to be published. And that was the only thing I didn't put out there. Was it still therapeutic? Uh, well, I'm assuming like the whole process was therapeutic to write about after. Um, and I, I don't think people, you know, for anyone listening, this wasn't just like, you know, this wasn't just like an accident. It wasn't just the accident. Like it right. was a long time period after where like, that's when you were fighting. Yeah. I would say um, the life-saving part was the easiest part for me. You know, I was in shock at the beginning. I don't remember, of course, that day. And then for a month, I'm in a coma. You know, that's hard for my family, not hard for me, you know, because I'm not awake to remember it. And then waking up, you're full of hope and you think everything's going to be okay. But for me, it was uh, three years of constant surgery. Like, back-to-back surgery for three years so it got you know draining and kind of like dehumanizing and like losing sight of am I ever going to get out of this cycle type thing so yeah it was definitely the years that followed with not just the physical struggles but you know the the anger and all of that so it was definitely um, and also PTSD um yes that that yeah I, I can't imagine and I just think the like the pure, you know, the trauma of it. Um, that's not anything. That's really nothing that you can like ever prepare for. 
Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, it's kind of crazy, like when you're young and even, I feel like even if you're not young, but I think it's so easy to take your health for granted. And, and I say that like, even the simplest of things, it's like, you don't Mm -hmm. realize how much, you know, you, you love your ears until you have an ear infection. And -hmm. it's just like the smallest things like that kind of resonate. And then it's like something like this happens and it's, um, it wasn't just you losing both of your legs above the knee, right? It one was above the knee, yeah. one of them is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a brain injury and that mm-hmm. comes with a whole other bout of problems. You even had a spine, like spinal cord, like you had spinal cord injury, you had, mm-hmm. um, or you, like paralysis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I imagine when you, yeah, the initial hope you're like, okay, like people do all sorts of things without, you know, two legs, but then it wasn't just that you're like, now it's like, am I going to get on prosthetics? Like that's a whole new, whole new bout of like, you thought one thing and it just keeps changing. And you had like 40 surgeries in like a two year time span, right? Yeah. It was like, I think a total of like 43, 44 surgeries in three years. <laughs> yeah. A little less than three years. It was like two and a half years. Yeah. It was tough. And then, like you said, it wasn't just all the diagnoses all at once. Like at first it was just, you've lost your legs and that was it. And, um, I mean, that wasn't it. Of course I was, I was all the other things, you know, the broken bones and the failing organs, but those were things that I knew were going to heal with time. And then it was months later where all of a sudden it's, oh, you're, you're going to just break your back. You're paralyzed. And then at the same time it was, oh, you need to start speech therapy because you have a brain injury and oh, your kidneys aren't healing. And it was like over and over again, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm never, I'm never going to heal. So it was definitely adjusting expectations over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to segue this, but it's like <laughs> what you've been able to, again, what you've been able to accomplish after all that. Um, I have nothing but like the utmost respect for you. And I feel like anytime, I feel like I bring you up all the time. Like even <laughs> if like the conversation's not like even any remotely, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. Friend from college. I'm like, <laughs> she's the strongest person I know. Cause like most people, I would say like the human spirit's a weird thing. And so I feel like most people, not only can we not fathom that, but it's like, we also know we probably wouldn't have handled it like you did. Yeah. And like this being, you know, an outdoor, we're focusing on how like the outdoors can heal. Like it was from the beginning. I mean, even still in the hospital, like I'm saying like I wouldn't be going through dialysis, which is like a five hour long treatment, making me sicker than I literally knew how to survive healing, doing therapy, you know, needles and sit like all these things. And that like, when it got to be too much, like every hospital, like, it's like, why do they all think to put a healing garden outside, you know, for patients? It's just like this place to just escape everything. And I would literally just sit out there and I, you know, at that point I wasn't like crying or anything. I just needed like the silence. I needed it all to just stop. Um, I needed a break. <laughs> And then that kind of just helps being what carried me through. I feel like before I got into the sports, before I got into everything like that, there would be all these times where I'd be like healing or processing or whatever. And like, you would just find me sitting on my back deck in my wheelchair, like just sitting there staring outside because it was just, I needed like, I needed the nothing, you know, when life was so, so much. I was like, I just need the wind. I need, need a view. Wind. I need it silence besides the birds I want to like maybe see a squirrel like I just like I need to sit here and that was there was a lot of moments like that where that was like putting myself back together again I was gonna ask if you started like bird watching at all I feel like that's a hobby I found like post-college that I've gotten like really into (laughs) but um there was a quote um that I actually wrote down because like you just said, and it was when you got to Spalding Cambridge mm-hmm. Hospital or the, is it, was it like a rehab center or like hospital still or? Yeah. So there, there's the two Spaldings. They're both technically rehab hospitals. The first one's for continued medical care. So it's where you start therapy, but it's still basically a hospital. The second one is intensive rehab. rehab yeah. 
Okay. Um, when you got there, like the first two questions you asked your nurse, um, one was, can I, can I take a shower? And the second one, you said, can I go outside? Mm -hmm. And both of those questions like totally took her by surprise. Um, cause that's when she realized like, okay, like this is the kind of patient she's going to be. Um, and when you asked to go outside, I was like, yeah, I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, I think later I wrote it down again. Um, there was one where you, I think it was, I think when you kind of realized at this point, your, um, your kidneys were not doing well. Um, you were still in dialysis, but it was also like, it wasn't working at that point. Um, I think it was kind of a cascade of things, right. That we just talked about, but you said you looked out the window and like, you could always see one tree from your window. Mm -hmm. And you said you had noticed that like the leaves had changed. And it was that point where you were like, when did I stop going outside? Like you literally yeah. asked yourself in like your writing, you were like, when did I stop going outside? And like, when, when's the last time, like I wanted to go outside. And like, that's, I think that's also an indicator of like, just where you're at mentally. And I think for a lot of people, it's like when your mental health isn't the best, I feel like when's the last time, like, you know what I mean? Not just, not just you. I feel like for a lot of people, it's like something to ask yourself. I feel like there's such a good, like reset in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what did you think like the outdoors was going to look like for you? Because growing up in Vermont, you have, I mean, honestly, New England, like, you know, and I'm biased. I'm born and raised in Virginia, but my whole, my dad's whole side of the family is from New England. So mm -hmm. I know like how beautiful it is up there and just the nature in general. Um, like, obviously you knew like there were possibilities, but did, I mean, what did you think? I guess. I, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think I knew about adaptive sports, which was really helpful. Um, I think the hospitals are great about giving information on that but I definitely could only picture like like sports you know I couldn't picture like I used to hike all the time I knew that was gone that was the first thing that made me like I mean obviously besides like the not walking again that was the thing that hit me the hardest I remember when I did get up to my rehabilitation hospital I don't remember how it got brought up but I remember my main he was in charge of the whole amputee program. And I we heard him later that day say to like all the nurses, like, we all we need to do is we need to find a way to get her hiking again. Because <laughs> they knew that that was something that I just wanted back so badly. And I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen. So that was hard, you know, to lose. I think it was definitely an adjustment trying to figure out new ways to be outside when in a wheelchair, any little rock any little thing is just gonna like make it impossible and then on prosthetics you know I'm just gonna basically fall over so it was definitely an adjustment um I didn't really know what to expect and for a while I think I stood in my own way of getting out there I was too like shy and insecure and nervous and all those things and I think just kind of resenting that it wasn't going to be the same and that it wasn't gonna be the same as everyone else around me um but once I got out there I kind of like again it was like you know, nature outdoors, it's like one space where you don't have to be the same. You don't have to be, it's a place for you to just be yourself and like enjoying. So like I had to just get used to doing it differently and being okay with that. And then that's, that's just how it ended up being. I remember I was looking through pictures actually right before we came on this um, recording and I found this old picture from like after getting home from the hospital and I had gone to like an old hiking trail and I took a picture by the sign because I had walked for like the furthest I possibly could and we looked up and I had gone 0.1 miles and I was like <laughs> and then I had to be like wheeled back in an outdoor wheelchair but I was like so proud that I'd hiked for 0.1 miles and I'm like it definitely was an adjustment and a change and all those things but it was still just as much fun just as rewarding all that stuff yeah and I, I imagine like knowing it was going to be different. Like you said, like you were getting in your own way because it's like, you're, I feel like some people it's like, if it's not going to be the same, like, do I even want it? You know? Yeah. But even mm -hmm. that like point, that point one, it's like huge, you know, like that's a, still a huge 
And I am glad you told that story because like that really shows like still a milestone. Um, you said an outdoor, an outdoor wheelchair. Are those with like the, the terrain wheels, like the really yeah. large ones? They're almost mm-hmm. like motorized, right? And you can control it. I'm trying to remember how that one worked. So it was kind of crazy because my neighbor at the time when I came home from the hospital was also paralyzed. And um, she had been for years and years and years. And so she had a lot of these adaptive devices for me to try out, which made things easier. Um, But it was definitely, I'm trying to remember if I pushed the wheelchair myself or if someone had to push me in it, but definitely the the tires were like, probably like two inches, you know, wide with like good tread and all that. But Okay. I've seen, um, I've seen some people like hunting out of these like huge chairs. And I want to say the tires are like, (laughs) I mean, they're like terrain, like you can like go in them. Um, and it's like, I'm not even sure what kind of battery they have all that thing. And I'm, I, immediately I just thought dollar signs like who like who's paying for that like I can't imagine the cost um has have you found like a lot of um like nonprofits, or have you found a lot of groups that are like willing to not only pay but like facilitate um anyone who's like paraplegic or yeah um the group that I have used is Kelly Brush Foundation. So I got my bike through them. They give a lot of bikes away, but they also do, you know, everything else. Like, and it's, you send in your measurements, what you're looking for, you apply all those things, but then they like, they go through the vendor, like they make it easy. So you don't have to know how to get in touch or how to order it or whatever, you know, they do that part for you. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, and that's like a hand cycling bike too. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you like that? Like, was that what you were expecting? Like, yeah. So I've tried a few. Um, I tried one where I was like, kind of like laying really flat down and you can like go so much faster. But I was like, I don't know if I love this as much. <laughs> um, I feel very flat on the road. It's a weird experience. Um, but I like to be in trails much more than on the road on a hand yeah. cycle because I'm just, you know, scared someone's going to run me over. I can see that. Yeah, that definitely makes yeah. sense. Um, and you've been kayaking a lot too, right? Mm-hmm. Was that like you don't have to have like an adaptive um, kayak or do you? So some people do. Some people put like for amputees, um, they'll put foam like where your legs aren't so that the weight is even I don't, um, but my spinal cord injury is like so low level. I'm lucky to have, you know, full like core function and all of that. Um, and I basically just go with someone who can pick me up and <laughs> put me in the kayak for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I met, um, I have a friend like, and I met her through TikTok and her husband. Um, he, I think is paralyzed from the waist down and she's just this like, little blonde chick and she like lifts her husband like into the boat like all the time and like seeing her and that's how her like her tiktok account like kind of blew up too um and so yeah like just seeing like you know still the outdoors like being such a healing place and like the accessibility for sure is important um i saw you were like cross-country skiing too can you touch on that like how you got into that where you were skiing before i'm assuming growing up in vermont yeah, but I did um, downhill skiing, which is... Yeah, like regular skiing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, again, points to that whole, like, being in my own way and being insecure thing, which, um, because I live 15 minutes from, you know, the, the mountain that's where everybody goes. It's always, you know, packed, a good time. They have a big adaptive program there for teaching sit skiing, and I refuse to go. Like, I was like, I am not doing that I don't want to run into everyone that I know I don't want to be plus I think it was kind of painful that I had you know just been skiing on that mountain like forever on my two legs and to go and then be on a sit ski I just like I couldn't really do it yet and so I was actually on Instagram and I saw that this girl she was, I think, a Paralympian. She was cross-country sit skiing. And it, like, looked like such a good workout because it's a flat trail, basically. And I was like, this looks like the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that trail was 45 minutes for me. So that felt like the comfortable, like, get some space, go try this on your own. And I went with um, I just went with my family, and I, like, completely fell in love with it. 
um, I took one lesson and then I just kept teaching myself. Um, I started talking to like the coaches of the Paralympic team. So it became like a really big, really big thing for me. It helps me with getting through the Vermont winters in a wheelchair for sure. And moving out to California, like how, how has that been? <laughs> how has that been a change? I feel like as East Coast girls um, has, I mean, yeah. Can you talk about, I mean, you've only been there for six months. So I, mm -hmm. I am assuming you're still learning too. Um, I saw you were out, you know, you go to the beach a lot, um, but how has the outdoors changed? I guess moving East Coast to West Coast, like completely yeah. across the country totally different world um yeah totally different um I would say that for me like with my injuries and with my pain and like with accessibility and all that the weather is just it makes everything so much better here um I am full of metal from all of my surgeries so I remember like winters in Vermont where I would just be like locked up in pain because like the cold with the metal in my bones I was like I cannot even move yeah I didn't um, even think about that yeah and then the snow with a wheelchair <laughs> does not work um you know I would show up to appointments and I'd be like well the, I'm here but the ramp's not shoveled so I can't wow. come in <laughs> or I would be like oh the the deck and the ramp is at our at my own house is covered in feet of snow or ice or whatever and it was just a big well I would be stuck inside for you know days and that you know gets hard so here you don't have that here we basically have no weather um there's you know I don't ever really worry about like, rain anything like that so it just makes accessibility so much easier um but I there is always going to be the part of me that misses you know seasons and like I'll have to take trips now to ski, things like that. Biking and everything will be easy here, but it's something different. I, I was going to ask you about like accessibility um, in different different places. Because I feel like even in the same state, you know, a different town or a different city, like I imagine that varies wherever. I did not even think about weather being a main factor. Um, and I know you mentioned your neighbor at the time. She was, um, in a, she is in a wheelchair, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, that's just kind of mind blowing. I didn't even think about like, was it easy? Was it, well, I mean, not was it easy, but was it nice to have her to like, at least, I don't know, ask relate questions. to, yeah, ask and relate to a little bit? Yeah, so I had always, I'd known her for forever. Her daughter was my best friend in high school. So I had always, I'd vacationed with them. I'd done all these things. So I had seen her do all these things as a wheelchair user without even having it crossed my mind that she was a wheelchair user, you know, like I would go to the yeah. house and she'd be cooking dinner and we'd go on vacation to be in the pool. Like, so it never crossed my mind that like her mom's in a wheelchair, you know? So I think it was kind of like always in the back of my head, like, well, if I didn't really notice with her, like maybe people aren't noticing as much as I think that they are. And then, you know, there's a thousand questions every single day when you're in a chair. Um, so being able to just like, ask her and have her actually you know have the experience and then um yeah she was kind of like a companion for a while because she would just come over and we'd sit on my back deck and me my mom and her would just have a glass of wine and talk about all the things and just be a distraction from reality for a little bit yeah and I guess now I'm picturing her in like a Vermont winter like stuck inside for days I guess that's just like yeah Wow. So I was going to ask you, like, do you think you're going to come back to the East Coast? But like, <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Like, dream life would be to live in both places. That's what I always say. I love both places so much. Um, it's just such a tough decision. You know, it's so hard too with, you know, all my family living in, in New England. So, you know, we'll see in the next few years what happens. <laughs> and I saw your sister just visited you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't realize, like, I knew she was your, like, younger sister, but I did not realize that she was only 13 when that accident happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, talk I, about PTSD. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, and then it's like, you know, even afterwards, you mentioned it's like she, she, she had to go back to school. Like, she yeah. was a literal child, went back to school while you 
are still like having the fight of your life essentially Mm -hmm. to regain any kind of normalcy. Yeah. I mean, I saw that you, yeah, I saw it when you posted it and you were like, she's, she's an adult now. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, She's, she's been through it, you know, she's going to be quite the strong young adult now. I was going to say some of the, some of the parts you mentioned in your book, it's like when, you know, when the accident is like currently happening and she's, she's like literally stepping up to the plate, like in a moment of pure crisis, like adrenaline shock, you're like, she, you know, without you even really being there, but she is like, she stepped up. Um, yeah. I guess like, yeah, I mean, have you, I don't want to say like, have you noticed like a different, you know, pre-accident, post-accident, but she's also just like, now she's, she's grown, like she's an adult. Um, and this is something that definitely impacted her in a different manner, but is still just the same impacted her just the same. Um, yeah, I, I'm assuming you're just proud of like how she's turned out and like what she's, you know, planning to do with her life. Right. Yeah. I'm super proud. I think it could have been something that just completely derailed her. I think it could be a very different story, but she's also had, you know, to put it in the work in a very different way than I had to, you know, she had to do her therapy, you know, she had to learn to be able to be a kid still, even though she had seen things that her friends will never be able to understand, you know? So she had to, I think really come to under terms that like she was above and beyond their years in some ways that were maybe hard to handle, but yeah, she's, she's done so good. She's so mature. She's um, taking it. And I think, you know, she'll probably do something in the mental health fields because of it, you know? So she's making like, you know, what, like we're all trying to do, we're all just trying to make, you know, the best of a really crazy story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you ended up finishing your degree and then what are you currently like working? What are you doing? So after I finished, I worked on the book for two years, um, basically full time. Um, so I still do a lot to promote that. And it's so crazy. Now I literally am in LA and modeling, which is something I never, ever, ever thought would happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and for anyone listening, not just like modeling, but like literally like literally this woman was it a skims ad like commercial like I think when I saw that I was like her I knew it before but I feel like your opportunities are endless um you ended up signing with are you still with the same modeling agency mm-hmm. okay yeah and is that primarily for um like disabilities like basically it's a yeah I would say that's the majority of um okay. who to represent yeah and that was one of the first, um, Skims was basically like the f- one of the first ones you signed with, right? Yeah, they were my second job ever. <laughs> how can you, yeah, I was going to say, how can you talk me through what that even, like that kind of opportunity felt like? Yeah, so I was doing my first job, which was in Toronto, Canada. I was doing this really fun, like casual campaign, like of course, it was, you know, work and all that, but it was just like laid back and fun. It was for the company Inkbox and it was um, such a good time. And I finished the first shoot and I, so the way it works with, you know, modeling is, you know, there's this like whole process. They'll tell you like you're being considered and maybe you have to do like an audition or whatever. I didn't for skims. So I was being considered and then I was told that I was an option. I didn't hear anything for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, well, I didn't get it. And so I went to, I finished up this shoot in Toronto and I was, my mom I was like, let's go out to dinner and celebrate like first job ever. And so we're literally at the restaurant in Canada and I opened up my phone and checked my email. It's like, you're confirmed for skims. You leave in three days. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. I was covered in these like fake tattoos from Inkbox. They're supposed to last um, like two to three weeks or something. I literally exfoliated my skin like seven times a day like it was like painful because like I gotta get them off <laughs> um yeah it was crazy so I literally went from that shoot we booked my flights um to LA while I was still there and then they flew me and my mom out so that time I still needed you know a, a, like caregiver type thing so they flew us out and it was 
the most surreal experience ever, but it was so, so fun. I mean, and they did such a good job with it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it turned out so good. And um, and Skims is co-owned by Kim Kardashian. For those of you who don't know, it's a huge company. Um, I'm going to be in a wedding in like December. And I'm like, oh, I think this is the time for me to buy some Skims, to be honest. <laughs> you won't regret um, it. Yeah, and that's what I've heard. I've heard great things. Um, for sure. Do you think since moving out to LA, like it's been... You think it's easier to get jobs because now it's like that's that's a main I want to say it's the main industry out there. Yeah. So like in Vermont, I was like wasn't close to anything because they had me listed as a New York City local, but I wasn't in New York City. So sometimes I would be in that process for like, oh, you're being considered you're an option. But then they would see that they had to pay for you know a train or like what and you know accommodations for me to stay there. And it's just so much easier to use someone that's right in New York City. So moving to L.A. has definitely made it much busier. I mean, I imagine when all of this happened and like the recovery and just going through everything, I imagine like was did you ever think like you would be modeling? No, I. Oh, my God. Like, uh, it makes me sad, though, because like I think about like how like I would look like at myself in the hospital and be like I am you know like hideous I am covered in scars I mean I was not only the surgeries and all of that but I mean I was in an explosion you know like I have all these scrapes and scars and everything from literal shrapnel hitting the backs of my legs like I'm you know I was covered in scars I was doing everything possible in the hospital to get rid of my scars and my nurses were looking at me like girl, that's not going to work. <laughs> You're like, so Moderma, I'm sponsored. <laughs> I was like ordering tape on Amazon. I was like doing everything. I was doing the most for sure. Um, but now like, I love my scars. They're some of my favorite things about myself. Like, I think they are like, I remember I was on set with skins like the second or third time and getting, you know, makeup done. And the makeup artist is like, oh, I love your scars. They're like such a piece of art. And I was like, thank you. You know, like it's, it really was just accepting it. And then once I felt like I was confident, then it was like, that's when I felt beautiful again, you know, but before that I was never would have imagined anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in a professional like capacity, like quite literally like, yeah, yeah, you're getting paid. Like you are a paid model. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like that's that's like crazy. I want to read a quote from your book that I had to highlight. Um, It was, um, it was your nurse, Steph. Um, It was when you said she feels the weight and the gravity of all that I must accept as I attempt to come to terms, not only with disability and trauma, but now with the added pressures so often placed on young women about how exactly to look. And I feel like I highlighted that because, you know, we met in college Mm-hmm. And it's like, even now, I feel like I look at my college pictures and I'm like, how, like, how did I not like love myself? then? like, how did I not yeah. feel comfortable in my body? Like, how did I not? It's such a hard thing to grasp. So I think even like you probably feel that on such a larger scale. And I feel like you do touch in your book. It's like, yeah, you had to learn to love yourself yeah. at that point. Like, it's very real. It's like, Can you touch on that? Like I was writing the book and I didn't even know that that was going to be a main message, a main theme. It wasn't something that even I thought about before. It was just coming out into all the pages and in many different chapters. I feel like I was just this message of like being a girl is so dang hard, (laughs) you know, like, and I know that, you know, men have their own struggles as well. You know, everyone has body image, you know struggles I think not everyone but most people and but the expectations not just from everyone else but from ourselves like it is like unrealistic first of all and it's like no matter how good you look like we're never good enough like I'm like you want to be like curvy but not too curvy you want to be thin but not too thin you want to be like athletic but like you know it's never there's no happy medium ever like <laughs> I don't think I could and look I feel back like I was gonna say, I feel like it's never enough for yourself. And then I feel like yeah. it's never enough for societal standards as well. 
No, it never is. And so that's why it's never enough for yourself because you know it's not enough for everybody else. But I mean, I think like looking back pre-injury, like I don't think there was ever a time where I was happy with how I looked, you know? And that is crazy to me. Because like you said, we look back at these old pictures and we're like, what was wrong with us, you know? Um, I like, remember I'd be like healing. I would like look at them. I'd be like, why did I hate myself? You know, like I could stand up and walk, you know, I could, my legs were carrying me on up mountains and on sports fields and like doing everything that I asked my body to do for me. It was doing for me with no, no hesitation. And then I just critiqued it my whole life. And then afterwards it was like, that my body wasn't listening to me. It couldn't do any things I was asking it to do, but I knew it wasn't going to get better if I didn't like respect it and work on it and like love it. So it was definitely like, I feel like I, it was just a wake up call on this first time to ever, like, I don't think about my appearance really anymore, you know? And that's just such a strange thing that it takes something this traumatic for that switch. And it makes me sad that so many people have that same experience, but never get that switch, you know? For sure. Yeah. Um, I, even like before this interview, I feel like I was looking like still on my, on my personal Instagram account. Cause I definitely switched over to like rookie hunting and I've just been going on that, but I looked on my, on my personal account and I scrolled down and it's like pictures of us at like Tongies <laughs> and all the pictures of us, like we're literally like, we're wearing heels. And I, know. I was just like, Oh man, I was like, I, I just thought like all day, I was like, I want this interview to be first of all, like so respectful, like to you and like everything you've gone through. But then also I was like, man, I, yeah, I'm probably just going to, we talked about it a little bit before <laughs> we pressed recording. I was like, I might cry. And, and then you were cry. like, yeah, you might cry. And so I don't know. I feel like when I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like when I, it was Melissa who called me, like, you know, Melissa's always in the mm-hmm. loop, always in the yes. know-how and oh, she yes. called me and she was like, Steph's been in an accident. And for me, I was like, I was like, what? I was like, car accident. I was like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. And so she told me and I like, I feel like I couldn't even, like, I, I think I like hung up, like I just couldn't even, and then I'm not going to lie. And I feel pretty comfortable saying this on the podcast. Like I I essentially had to like take like in that you know I'm, <laughs> I like my job right now and this was a college <laughs> I've already like you know when I applied to this job I was very honest I had to smoke myself into a coma like <laughs> coped coped with like Xanax for I think like it was honestly like 48 hours like I didn't sleep I didn't eat like I just slept and even when I woke up I was like this doesn't feel like real and at that time like yeah it, at that time I don't think anyone really thought you were actually gonna like make it yeah and I felt even like I felt even like worse because like I stayed at Coastal and then I feel like when you transferred like I we didn't really stay in touch too much um and I felt like that was such like a selfish like reaction to have I was like her her family's going through all this I was like and I just had to literally eat a million Xanax so I could (laughs) I could sleep because I couldn't stop like I wasn't even crying I felt like it was like one of those like hysterical like I don't, it's not, you're not even crying. You're just like kind of screaming. And my roommate yeah. Grace was just like putting Xanax down, like <laughs> bringing a bong to me. Like it just wasn't. Um, and then I feel like when you were, you got out of your coma and everything. And then it was like, I was like, she's probably being like b- bombarded by people. And I just wanted to like be respectful and give you space. And I didn't like, I just, I don't know. And so I feel like watching you like, and then again, like seven years later, like here we are now. I'm just, yeah, I'm so proud of you. And I feel like everything you've, you've gone through, you've, you've like really come through on the other side. Um, I'm so impressed with your social media, by the way, like, thank you. So impressed. Are you, is that like, is that a main part of your income right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the modeling too, but that's like, you can't be booked every week, you know? So that's like spotty so um social media is definitely like a 
basically a full-time job, which I'm sure you're understanding now. Cause like, you know, you have your new page, you have this now. It's like, it's like time consuming way more than I ever even knew. And there's like so much more that goes into it. Like I had no idea. For sure. And I feel like I'm on such like a small scale and like I'm overwhelmed. And so I feel like even in college, I feel like I used to like not make fun of like influencers, but I was like, man, I was like, they don't have a real job. And then I started doing this like with a full-time job. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is like people doing this, like and like monetizing it. It is so much harder than it looks. There's so much that goes into it. It is quite literally a career, like a job. Mm -hmm. That people yeah. are successfully doing like full time, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just again. Your Instagram page is uh, like 133,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really impressive. <laughs> um, and I feel like most of the stuff on there is like so positive. Do you ever get any kind of negativity? Um, I've had to create boundaries ever since it like blew up a little bit. Um, so. I think I regularly will go through and like, if I see anything negative, I'm like, remove, block, delete, like right away. Like I can't leave that on there. It will get to me. Um, Yeah. So I think I am careful with like, you know, not reading too much into the comments. Um, If there's anything spammy, get rid of it right away. I'm trying to make sure I'm following people in like my community so that I can really meet and engage with people. But I do, like, I was actually thinking about this today. I was like, I feel like at the beginning, I shared a lot, like, more personally of, like, you know, my bad days or whatever. And I feel like I, granted, my life is, I'm, like, so happy now and all this. But, like, I do think I still kind of, you know, I I give credit that I keep it real. And, like, my photos aren't, like, edited, things like that. But I do think it is hard to not make it, like, a highlight reel and not, you know, share you know you do want to share the really authentic stuff too so it's definitely a balance between having boundaries and also being really really engaging where do you see all this going um I'm assuming like you modeling career like that's going to keep going social media like that's such a good stream of income and I think your story is like people want to hear it and I that's why I wanted to have you on here I think it's like you're one of the coolest people I know. You were one of the coolest <laughs> people I knew before this, but the fact so that you. Like, all of this happened, like I, I'm just so proud of you really. And it means so much that you would take the time to come on here and, and talk to me about everything. Um, but this is so cool that you're doing. Like I've been like, you're saying about my page. I'm like, I've been following your page and like obsessing over like how happy you look. I like with your new page. And like, I feel like you've made big changes in your life too. And I just feel like totally different people than we were when we first met like both of us I kind of did want to talk about that because I feel like and even now like I'm on this podcast with like literally not a lick of makeup and like me in college (laughs) that that was not me like that was literally not me we were definitely two different people um and I just feel like the older we get too it's like yeah I think I'm just so much more comfortable with myself I think I'm just so much more like happy I think you're right. I think it's just a different, different person for sure. But I feel like who we used to be also offers so much perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you had, you know, asked me back then, if I thought you'd be having a page like you have now and a podcast like this, like with these focuses, I would have been like, absolutely not. <laughs> I would have been absolutely. like, no way. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what I would have been doing, but this was definitely, this was not, not it. it. Yeah. Not but you it. seem so happy. Like it, like, And like, you know, what if you had never found this whole side of yourself and like this whole other, you know, world and life? Like, that's just, it's so cool to me that like changes can really lead to so much, so much good, you know? For sure. Um, I meant to ask you, so I was looking into, um, I was looking into Vermont um, hunting regulations. I don't know if you know this, but a Vermont, (laughs) and are you still a Vermont resident? Yes, because I didn't know Ooh. what I wanted to do when I got here. So I okay. <laughs> so a Vermont resident, um, it says with paraplegia or permanent severe physical mobile mobility disability may receive a free permanent fishing or combination license. So that means that Vermont actually can give you a, like a free lifetime um, fishing and hunting license. So 
I just feel like we have to like manifest this right now. <laughs> we don't have to pull the trigger. We don't have to like actually kill anything. But if I, if while you're in Vermont at some point, if I made the trip up there and I got like a hunting guide, like literally to take us out, mm-hmm. would you be down? Mm-hmm. I used to go with my dad all the time growing up, which is so funny. No way. I was going to ask yeah. you. I feel like Vermont, like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> oh my it's gosh. Like wait. a big thing. Yeah. Let's, okay. So we're doing it. Yeah. Literally. We have dad's land. <laughs> Seriously. So That's what did you grow up? Goes. Hell yeah. What did you grow up hunting? Well, I never did, but I always just go with my dad and like sit there. Um, yeah. And my brother too. Um I'm going to say this all wrong because I'm not a part of the hunting world. <laughs> that's fine. No, that's why um, it's like Ricky hunting. That's why it's the onset yeah. podcast. I feel like you can talk about it and like not be embarrassed to like mess up anything. Let's hear it. Definitely deer. Okay. I know there's different categories, but like, I don't know all of the above. <laughs> and then um, I would definitely go turkey hunting with him as well. That's awesome. All right. So yeah, this is happening. Um, <laughs> I've been putting in for like my main tags uh, every year, hoping to draw one for moose. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Vermont even has moose. I haven't looked into that. Mm-hmm. I okay. think so. Okay. Yeah. Could it's like a wrong. lot. I know it's a lottery for Maine. So I'm assuming the same with Vermont where it's like, you have to draw it. Um, but no, I, I, I feel like, you know, podcast number two with you, we could just do like an in-person hunt. Um, and I'm also kind of curious to like learn more about hunting opportunities for people with disabilities because yeah. I feel like that is such a big thing. I follow some people who are yeah. like permanently in wheelchairs. Um, there's been two times while I've been I've been out hunting with like people I considered like close friends, and then I found out they only had one leg, like literally two different people, and That's they were crazy. just. Like, and I didn't notice until, like, one of one of my friends, Mike, he, like, fell in the woods. Like, we were dragging out, like, my first like doe. <laughs> no, but when he fell, it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like a tree fell. Like, he just didn't have, like, the opportunity to, like, put his leg out in front of him. And so I think, like, literally that later that day, I said something. He was like, yeah, only one leg. And I was like, <laughs> like, what? I was like, how? Like, I've never seen you in shorts. I had no idea. And then same thing, my other buddy. Carter, uh, we were duck hunting like the last day of the season in Virginia, like two years ago. And same thing. He said something about his prosthetic. He was like, yeah, it's wrapped in Sitka, which is like a, a really expensive brand for like hunting. Like it, he had the camo like on his prosthetic. And I was just oh, like, nice. I was like, I had no idea. Um, That's and crazy. so I know it really is. And so I definitely want to learn more. And um, I know people can, you know, there's so many so many opportunities and I feel like that would be um really exciting to get involved in like nonprofits who are getting these people like out and giving them opportunities for the first time it's cool that you have like the back knowledge where it's like your family did it um but I just I think that would be I think that'd be really cool if we could go on a hunt together and I love to travel to new places so I definitely think we should do that I'll go with you I'll let you do the hunting (laughs) I'll just that's fine yeah for sure I would love fishing I'll do the fishing with you okay for sure (laughs) I'm definitely down um I think we're gonna I think we're gonna wrap it up but um I do want to ask you like for anyone listening do you have like a main message you want to drive home for them I think your story Mm -hmm. and I think your presence is already pretty impressive um and I'm just so excited to see what you do with the rest of your life but thank you yeah I mean I think main message is just what we've been saying I mean like change doesn't have to be only a bad thing it could be a good thing too and um you know you just keep looking ahead and it's when you need a break there's no better place to get perspective than just sitting by yourself outside I mean that really is the key sometimes so that would be a main message of hope for people listening. Well, Steph, I I appreciate you so much. Seriously, <laughs> I have so much love for you. And uh, I'm too. really happy we were able to do this. So just want to say thank you. And I'm so excited for people to to hear this episode. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see where you take these pages. 
Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time.